It's only entertainment. Welcome back to The Talking Hedge. I'm Josh Kincaid, Capital Markets Analyst and host of your Cannabis Business Podcast. Still at MJ Unpacked, we're here with uh, Connor O'Brien. Um, are you the founder and CEO of Fat Cat Cannabis? I am. Sure. Chubby Cat Cannabis. Chubby yep. Cat, Chubby not cannabis. Fat Cat. Come on. <laughs> no worries. No Chubby worries. Cat. What is Chubby Cat Cannabis? What do you guys do? Yeah, so Chubby Cat Cannabis is an indoor cultivation operation just outside of Portland, Oregon. Um, we have 6,000 square feet of canopy, uh, but the coolest part about our company is our R&D and research element. And so 1,000 square feet of that space is dedicated to R&D, <coughs> developing new strains, um, and uh, with uh, a really exciting, my brother, who's a PhD organic chemist, uh, coming out of uh, Silicon Valley. Okay. How do you uh, compete against um, Jesse Horton out of Oregon or Cookies, uh, TJ's Organics? Mm-hmm. There's some really phenomenal, uh, there's a couple phenomenal uh, cultivators out of Oregon in a sea of trash. Mm-hmm. Oregon has 3,500 licenses, Oklahoma has twice that and most of them aren't going to um, recoup their their uh, startup capital. How do you avoid that? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, I think that last point that you made is the most important. There is a sea of trash, right? And so the way you compete uh, in that sea of trash is to be is to aspire to be of that type of quality. And the way that uh, you do that is by hiring the right people and setting up the right facility. And that's why we have taken, you know, it's very capital intensive to start up uh, an indoor cannabis operation just outside of Portland, Oregon. And so what we've done with, with, uh, with our advisors and with technology, um, we are trying to de-risk uh, that uh, endeavor as much as possible and try to make sure we have the um, necessary equipment, uh, expertise to make sure that we can produce stuff at the top end of the line. Key to that for us is a, is a partnership with Conception Nurseries, who is uh, the only uh, tissue culture uh, uh, genetics company in uh, Oregon right now, and they're putting out fire stuff. And and so they they work hand in hand with us. They will work hand in hand with us to, to provide us with the clones and the genetics we need to optimize the strains that we want to stay competitive in a, a, a crowded market like Oregon. So uh, Oregon's been, their regulated market has been around for uh, a few years. I went to the Weed the People event in in 2015 to launch that. Um, So you're looking at half a decade. So you don't have the first mover advantages, but you have the advantages of, uh, you know, failure makes perfect, not practice, right? So you have that opportunity to kind of look from the outside in and see what didn't work. Um, as you know, 2015 put a, a stop on all concentrates because of uh, motels in Florida blowing up. If you remember that whole fiasco before vape gate was was even a thing. Right. Um, so there's there's been a lot of, of issues. How has that been an advantage for you coming in later? Yeah, it's uh, one of the, like you said. I mean, really learning from what we've seen uh, happen in the market has been amazing. And especially, I mean, you know, we're going into the flower business and so what's great is uh, by working with people in the area in Oregon you know the prices plummeted in 2018 of of flour in Oregon and so that was key to our defining our our business strategy frankly you know there's a lot cheaper ways to establish uh, a grow operation certainly in Oregon Um, and but we decided to go with the premium indoor grow at the top end of the market in order to to preserve that quality and to ensure that we're going to be stay competitive in in a market and weather those types of storms that we see. Okay. What are you focusing on? Is it pre-rolls? Is it concentrates? Edibles saw a huge jump during the pandemic. Uh, Are you going after everything? What's 
What's your target market and uh, where are some of the higher margin products coming from? Yes, so the target market is uh, premium indoor cannabis flower, like Loud and some of those other companies. Okay. So that, that is really what we're shooting for. Uh, again, we're starting with our, uh, with our uh, partnership with Conception to supply some of those premium uh, genetics that will help us stay at the top end of the market when we come in. And then, and then our R&D lab will facilitate the development of new, better genetics that we'll then be able to start implementing that will be branded under our own. What was that capital um, intensive uh, process like to, to get the license now, you know, in, in this day and age, uh, post-pandemic, to, to get the facility? What is What would it cost? What did it cost you? Uh, and, and, you know, talk about any, any kind of market. If somebody wanted to come in, what would something like that cost them? Yeah, so um, I, I talk about it. So uh, in Oregon, the, the, they, they throttled, the state throttled the uh, issuing of new licenses in 2018 as a result of that glut of flour that hit the market and depressed prices. And so as a result, there's a secondary market in Oregon now for grow licenses in particular. That's the most competitive um, because there's basically this tranche of licenses that were teed up in the middle of 2018 that are now ripening and ready to be issued and they haven't really looked at uh, the, the OLCC hasn't looked at licenses subsequent to that so that's a, a long way of saying that that's a big expense that's a couple hundred thousand dollars to, to just kind of get the license to get in the space of course in Oregon licenses are tied to spaces so then you have to rent uh, you know you have to put the, the money in renting the space immediately upon kind of uh, that sort of transaction finally um, uh, just the, the you know for an indoor grow the build out is just very capital intensive. You know, you have to, uh, we're, we're retrofitting an old warehouse space. Um, and so, you know, we have to, to build out physically the space like that. And then when you're talking indoor grow, maximizing canopy, we're talking racks, lights, uh, those are the two next biggest capital intensive expenses. And then of course, just having the runway to get to market. You, you grew up in Seattle mm -hmm. um, before you got into the military and then, and then cannabis, now you're on the East Coast, but operating out of Oregon. Um, I've noticed that the home of Starbucks, you know, where we're from mm -hmm. in Seattle, um, coffee is the number one drink sold in the United States. Mm -hmm. Before water, before anything, it's coffee. And yet, Washington State doesn't have ready-to-drink coffee. K-cups aren't coffee, people. <laughs> um, so I'm just going to ask you to infer, this is a random question. Yeah. Why, is, why does Oregon have infused coffee and the home of Starbucks doesn't? I think that's weird. That's a great question. I mean, all I can say is um, I think that the Oregon regulatory uh, regime is very is, is business friendly and open, and I think that has 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 enabled innovation in this space that we're not seeing in Washington. I mean, you you see it at dispensaries, frankly. I'm sure. I think the LCB, the Liquor and Cannabis Board in Washington, they I don't think I know they hate cannabis. Yes. They were forced to go from alcohol to cannabis and none of them wanted to, yes. whereas the OLCC was very open to that. So, the 100%. Yeah, I, I made my bones. Uh, I was a cannabis attorney in Seattle, uh, you know, fighting the, uh, the, the, right. the you know, uh, the LCB uh, on behalf of some major, uh, uh, you know, producers and processors in Washington. And that was part of the reason why we picked Oregon. You know, we wanted to, to well, two reasons. One, I think for, from a genetic standpoint, Oregon is sort of the Silicon Valley of, of cannabis. There's a ton of outside people doing really cool stuff and so we wanted to be in that in that space but the, the number two and from our investor standpoint is we wanted a regulatory scheme that you know that we could trust and it was you know business friendly and, um, and I loved every aspect of the Oregon market 
tell, tell the audience a little bit about your, um, so you, you graduated high school, you went to the mm -hmm. military, you became a, a lawyer, uh, you were a JAG in, in the Air Force? Marine Corps. Marine Corps. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. And then um, you were a lawyer, but that yes. kind of influenced you to go into the cannabis industry as you were fighting it, you saw maybe the proliferation of, of the industry and the legitimization and you wanted to get in? I mean, I don't want to put words in your mouth. Yeah. How, how did you get into the industry? Yeah, I love Yeah, I love that. So yeah, it, it's a great thing. So I went right from yeah college, law school, into the Marines. Marine Corps has zero tolerance policy. One of my early jobs in the Marine Corps was a defense attorney on behalf of service members. And this was the height of, of the wars happening in both Iraq and Afghanistan. But when I first entered, Iraq uh, ended shortly thereafter. Um, and so I, I kind of cut my teeth as a lawyer defending a lot of, uh, you know, Marines dealing with PTSD and other types of problems, uh, who the Marine Corps was kicking out without benefits oh, wow. because of uh, their use of cannabis, you yeah. know, to medicate themselves. And so that zero tolerance policy always just really frustrated me. And, and it was my kind of entree into the service, right? Uh, instead of kind of being like a you know, a, uh, you know, aligned with all the, the, the rules, I was the guy who had, who defended those who were breaking the rules. And it gave me this really interesting perspective on not only um, how ridiculous that those rules were, but the virtues of, of cannabis as a product and, and, the, and the need for it for many of our service members. So then I got out of the Marine Corps and I started practicing law in Seattle. And I, I, I landed a great firm that had a, a really cool, innovative cannabis uh, legal practice that I got in on. And, and, and now, instead of fighting the Marine Corps on behalf of, uh, of, of troops getting kicked out, I got to fight the, um, or, or the Washington State Cannabis Board on behalf of clients who had slipped up and kind of made mistakes. And so um, both those experiences really uh, gave me an appreciation for cannabis uh, as, a, as a product, as a, as a, as a medicine. Also, an appreciation for cannabis as an industry, you know, seeing my clients and their success and all the innovation happening there. And then, um, and then finally, I went to business school um, and decided to start this company with my, my, my brothers in order to, to, you know, dive into this industry. And, and really You're start. fairly young. You don't look broken. Do you use cannabinoids? You played football in high school. You went to uh, Pomona in California, played yes. football down there. You were in the military. I imagine that's kind of hard on your body, too. Yes. Have you uh, had to use cannabinoids for any of those, any ailments? You know, I, I'm, lucky. I'm lucky. I did have my shoulders totally jacked up. I can't tell if it's because of the uh, the football or the pull-ups in the Marines that we're constantly having to do. Um, and yeah, yeah, I do. I use it. It's now part of my regime. I got out of the Marine Corps uh, in February. I was a reservist for an extra seven years um, after I stopped uh, doing it active duty. And then, um, and so yeah, it's, it's a part of my, you know, my toolkit, I guess I would say, you know, in terms of helping my body relax and kind of deal with some of those bumps and bruises I've had along the way. You've got an interesting path that, that really kind of covers so many different facets of this industry from small business and entrepreneur to um, somebody who just has this holistic approach uh, about cannabis, military, um, all of these these things. What advice do you have for, for small business owners trying to open up in, in areas of Ohio or Pennsylvania or wherever uh, in, in emerging markets? You've kind of been through it. Um, you're contrarian to a certain extent, um, you know, going with cannabis and, and having been in the military. And so maybe you can be, uh, uh, you can lead by example and be an inspiration to some. So what advice do you have to try to you know, allow people to replicate what you've done? Yeah, I appreciate that question. I, I think that the most 
Uh, the biggest advice I have is to, you know, I, again, it's that lawyer in me, is, is, a bit, is to make sure you understand the regulatory environment that you're trying to operate in. I, you know, as a uh, attorney in Washington, I just, I, I saw a lot of really cool companies, with really valuable companies, making silly mistakes in the early days of their business that, that, that threatened their entire, you know, source of revenue uh, down the road. So, um, so I, you know, I just think, I just think, like, you know, you have to move fast, but you also have to really understand the environment you're operating in. And so, I think that's a key, key point. From a veteran standpoint, I'm a big advocate of hiring military veterans. Um, I think that is a huge uh, resource. You know, there's a lot of talk in it, and um, you know, as I've kind of really gotten into the cannabis industry, I'd like to see more veterans uh, in in the business because you know, veterans have so much ability to um, move quickly. You know, use initiative, take takes minimal guidance, and and use their uh, their own direction to kind of keep keep the ball moving forward. And in a fast moving industry like this, I think that's really important. Yeah, I'd like to see you working with uh, you know Twenty Two Too Many, uh, an organization that focuses on uh, military veterans committing suicide uh, 22 per day or per minute, yep. uh, too many, whatever it is. Too, yeah, wait, yeah, it's 22. Uh, yeah. And then uh, there's other other uh, farmers. So are you interested in, in uh, expanding your operations to have strategic partners like Boggy Boone in Washington that's military uh, and female owned? Um, where you could work with them and they could work with you. Is, is that something that you're interested in, knowing that you can't work across state borders, but knowing that when federal legalization help, uh, happens, it helps to have a multi-state operation? Absolutely, absolutely. I, I mean, uh, having kind of made the career transitions I have um, and in whatever networks of either schools or, or you know, uh, regions or whatever networks I have, there's no friendlier network than the veteran network I've found, you know, no matter who they are, what branch they're in, you know, they always take your call, they always have time to talk to you when you're trying to kind of do something new. So I plan to pay that forward, number one, and number two, absolutely, like, like reaching out and creating a network of veteran entrepreneurs uh, in this space uh, for not only, you know, mind share and knowledge share, but also for, you know, uh, re re referring veterans to into positions of employment, I think is, is really important. Well, so for any investors or uh, veterans or anybody who's, who's interested, entrepreneurial, to uh, maybe get the, the branding and SOPs and, and um, the ability to get Chevy Cat into their state, mm -hmm. how can people get a hold of you? Where are you at? Do you have social media that I they do. can look at? Yep, yep. We're at Chevy Cat Cannabis, which is spelled just as it sounds. Um, my email is Connor at ChevyCatCannabis.com. Connor, C-O-N-N-O-R. Um, and uh, so those are the two uh, easiest ways. And then we have a website as well that has an info page that you can um, reach out to us on that as well. And that's just www.chubbycatcannabis.com. Okay. And we can't put that in the show notes because we'll, we'll get in trouble. Okay. But we will put the LinkedIn information for Connor so then you can get a hold of him through that way or just look at chubbycatcannabis.com. So I think with that, we're going to roll this one up. I want to awesome. thank my guest, Connor O'Brien founder and CEO of Chubby Cat Cannabis. Thanks for being on The Talking Hedge. Thanks for having me, Josh. Appreciate it. I'm Josh Kincaid. This is The Talking Hedge. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. Or don't, and I'm out. Don't forget to smash that like button on your way out and check out these other videos that we've got. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. I'm Larry Mishkin, and I'd like to invite you to join Rob Hunt and me on our weekly podcast, The Deadhead Cannabis Show. Each week, we explore the latest cannabis and jam band news and reminisce with other deadheads and jam band lovers about the great musical acts that we've seen and heard.
Check out a new episode every Monday.